You're listening to the Golden Edge Podcast, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Here's your host, Ben Goats. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about hockey. Uh, I am Ben Goats, your Golden Knights beat writer for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, joined uh, once again by my LVRJ colleague, uh, Matt Atencio, uh, in person, which is awesome. This is like the first uh, in-person recording we've done since, I think, you know, that nasty little bug that's been going around that's kind of still going around uh, happened. Uh, Matt, it's good to like see you in person. I'm waving, but people don't know that I'm waving, but I am actually waving to you. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot nicer to be here in person than sitting in my in my room by myself doing nothing, so, you know... A lot nicer to be here, actually, physically present. It feels good. It feels good. And and how are you? We have not uh, seen you in a couple episodes, uh, unfortunately. I've been having to do some solo pods. I'm also just happy to have someone back to bounce uh, ideas off of. But how how's life treating you? Yeah, you know, it's been it's been good, going good so far. Um, you know, with all the news going around, it's it's nice to finally be able uh, to jump back into this thing. There is some news uh, worldwide, but we'll dive into more of the hockey uh, stuff today because there's been plenty that's been happening uh, in the hockey world as well. We have a new Stanley Cup champion, and so we want to talk about that and how that kind of affects the Golden Knights moving forward. There has been some coaching news uh, since we last recorded that uh, doesn't directly affect the Knights, but I think is interesting nonetheless. And there's been some moving and shaking in the old uh, off-season business world and of course uh that hasn't directly affected the knights necessarily uh yet in terms of recently they have made some moves previously but there was a major move in the pacific division that i think is worth at least discussing for us but before we get into all of that i just want to remind everyone that the golden edge podcast is sponsored by station casinos st and sports uh, we are presented by the las vegas review journal please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com this past Sunday at a big youth hockey story uh, that you guys can check out there just about how much it's exploded here in Las Vegas since the Knights came to town. My colleague Ed Graney had a follow-up column where he talked to Bill Foley about that and kind of the impact uh, that that's had. So I really hope you guys check that out as well as other stuff that we've got up going on. Uh, it's been obviously a little bit spacier than it has been in season, but uh, as we'll get into a little bit it's about to pick up in a big big way the month of july here in the national hockey league um and also we are presented by blue wire and if you guys could rate review subscribe whatever you do to podcast please do to this one we would very much appreciate it uh all right well we are talking i believe the day after the colorado avalanche's stanley cup parade which uh if anyone has seen the uh, twitter videos <laughs> looks like fantastic time looks like they were just having uh, a blast except for bowen byram who uh a cop did not know that he was on the Colorado Avalanche and I believe tried to remove him. Oh man, that, that, that cop is never going to hear the end of that at this Poor point. Guy. It's like honest mistake, like, you know, but rough, rough moment. Um, and downtown Denver uh, is awesome. So happy. You, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like that's kind of a problem that hockey players have sometimes, especially if you're not like the star player on the team, you don't get recognized a lot. So sometimes things like that happen. Yeah, it's not like football where like you can like watch like a 300 pound man that's like six foot five walking down the street and be like, he's probably with the team, some sort of athlete or something like that. Yeah, right. Like he's with the Rams. We're good. Uh, Bowen Byram, who's, you know, uh, pretty tiny and barely looks like to be of drinking age. Actually, now I'm going to double check if Bowen Byram uh, is of drinking age. Uh, No matter what, uh, I think we're kind of past the point. He is 21. Shout out to Bowen Byram. Uh, June 23rd is his birthday good timing wow yeah that's him. really good timing <laughs> really good timing before wrapping up that maybe they wanted to get it to game six just to really be sure that i could get that real uh idea not like the yellow paper yeah. or whatever um while you're 
waiting. But yeah, Colorado won the Stanley Cup in six games over the back-to-back champion Tampa Bay Lightning. A huge climb up the mountain for the Avalanche over several years. They had three second-round uh, defeats in a row, including uh, last year to the Golden Knights. Uh, so I think the obviously operating question now as we move forward to the 2022-23 season, now that the previous one is wrapped up, uh, you know, Matt, based on kind of like looking at this Avalanche team and what they are able to accomplish and now what they're celebrating, you're watching these games. How close do you think the Knights are to getting to that kind of level? You know, it, it, that's that's tough because the teams are so vastly different. Um, so to answer that question kind of in two ways. Uh, top six wise, yeah, I think they're relatively close. I, I don't think they're all their players are on the exact same level. Like obviously, McKinnon is on a completely different level than pretty much anybody that the Knights have. Sorry, Jack Eichel, it's just the way it is. Um, but when you go to the bottom, when you look at the bottom six in particular, that's where there's a lot of issues because the Golden Knights really do not have the depth that. Colorado didn't and you saw that through the playoffs with how they were able to play through those injuries and how they were able to provide depth scoring down the lineup which has been a problem for the Knights in the playoffs over the past and then I don't even necessarily think defensively that they're as good as Colorado I'm sorry to Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore they're not on the level of Kale McCarr no one is and sidebar real quick how incredible was it watching him through the playoffs this year? His skating is unbelievable. It's, and it, watching it on TV doesn't do it justice either. I, I remember the couple of games that I covered last year when they played the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, just watching him skate through the neutral zone is its something else, man. It's unfair. It's it, stupid. It really is. And you got to think that he's got to be up there in conversation for not just best defenseman in the league, but best overall player in the league at this point. So I think it's actually like a really good, I'm sure that some like Colorado Avalanche podcast or radio station is having like this debate of like, do you actually think that Kale McCarr or Nathan McKinnon is the MVP of the Avalanche? And I think that's like a legit debate. Yeah. And I think the fact that it is a legit debate is a very good thing if you're the Colorado Avalanche because it means you have like two superstar players Um, in, in the fact of McCarr. He's signed for uh, like six more years or something at like... I think it's $9 million, which, which uh, sounds like a lot, but is very for, good. Yeah, for, well, and Mc, I know McKinnon's only got one year left on his salary, but he about si- to get paid. 6-3 is un- criminally underpaid for what he does. Yeah, and that's how they were able to put together this team that had like such crazy depth where, yeah, you mentioned, obviously, they had a lot of injuries throughout this postseason where Nazem Kadri has the thumb injury, misses, I think, about half of the Stanley Cup final. Andre Burakovsky missed a lot of time, but... You had Arturi Lekkanen at the deadline, who, of course, ended the Golden Knights season in the playoffs uh, a year ago with the Montreal Canadiens. He also scores a you know a conference final clinching goal this year with the Avalanche. Uh, was a perfect fit on that team, and I imagine they're going to keep him around. But Valeri Nichushkin was awesome for the Avalanche. So I think I definitely agree with you, where especially like the forward depth on Colorado was just ridiculous. Um, and that's obviously, I think, a major question for the Knights entering this upcoming season because you've now, for a while now, have lost Alex Tuck. You traded him away in the Jack Eichel deal. You no longer have Evgeny Dodonov, who was brought in, I think, to kind of have that role. Didn't quite have as much of an impact as the Knights would have liked. Um, but now he's off to Montreal. And so the Knights don't necessarily have that guy, at least right now, on paper, who you look at of like, okay, that guy's going to drive your third line or provide a lot of offense. Uh, Pete DeBoer, when he was here, refer- referred to that as like the Phil Kessel role 
because Kessel did that to his San Jose Sharks in the Stanley Cup final. And so I think that's that's the missing piece for the Knights right now. And it's going to be tricky for them to find it with the fact that they have basically like no cap space right now. They technically have negative cap space, but they'll have some because they can put Shea Weber uh, on LTIR. But uh, on the bright side, if you're the Knights, uh, Colorado will probably not have that depth uh, next season either because they have a lot of cap questions uh, moving forward. And they're not going to be able to keep uh, a lot of these guys we mentioned because uh, Kadri, Nichushkin, Burkowski, all unrestricted free agents. Uh, Arturi Lekkanen, restricted free agent. So some of these guys are going to go, and potentially quite a few of them. Um, Josh Manson on the blue line and Darcy Kemper and Nets are UFAs as well. So it is going to be tricky for Colorado to uh, keep this group together but do you imagine that they're still going to be the team to beat in the western conference next oh, year absolutely yeah and even though a lot of those guys that you mentioned are going to be gone they still have their core and as long as you still have that core they're, they're going to be the team to beat in in the west right now locals know the stn sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in nevada they have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Yeah, and I think it's going to be pretty easy for uh, Colorado and Joe Sackick, who is extremely good at his job. Uh, he was a Hall of Fame player, uh, which, by the way, have you guys haven't watched the ESPN documentary on the Avalanche uh, Red Wings rivalry, uh, watch that and watch Joe Sackick uh, very calmly talk about, you know, like all the punching that went on in that series. <laughs> and now, you know, he went from being a Hall of Fame player and captain of the Avalanche to now he's their general manager and he won a Stanley Cup uh, in both roles. Kind of impressive. Um, but I think they're going to be able to find guys to want to play with McKinnon and McCarr and all of that. I do question what they're going to do in net, though, because um, Kemper... He had that really ugly eye injury in the first round against Nashville where he got poked with a stick. Um, I think he had a 9-on-3 save percentage in the playoffs, which I believe is like the third worst for a Stanley Cup winning goaltender uh, of all time. He may have not been perfect, but he he did make saves when he needed to, and that's that's really all they needed to win it, so... I know that's the, either the, the scary part or the impressive part yeah. if you're the Avalanche, is they won without goaltending, basically, and I, uh, I don't know whether you're not only that, they beat the best goalie in the league. <laughs> I know. And I picked uh, for those of you that follow me on Twitter uh, will know that I picked the lightning in seven Same. basically because I thought the goaltending uh, disparity was going to be huge. And in a, like I said, in a way, uh, Darcy Kemper did not uh, knock anyone's socks off. He did not blow the doors open and kind of, you know, deliver his big, you know, I'm here and I'm, you know, a cup winning goaltender. He is now, but. I'm curious to kind of see how Colorado values him this offseason versus, you know, we think we can kind of get basically close to anyone in here and make it work. They let Grubauer walk last offseason. I'll be curious if they let uh, Kemper walk this upcoming offseason. But, you know, it's really impressive stuff from Colorado, and we'll see uh, how they handle all of this moving forward. Uh, but we'll move on to uh, other topics now, now that we know the Colorado Avalanche are the Stanley Cup champions. And let's talk about the coaching carousel a little bit because it has finally kind of started to stop spinning. We have Jim Mon Montgomery got hired uh, in Boston. I believe there are uh, reports uh, out there that Rick Bonus, the former Stars coach, is going to land uh, in Winnipeg, Detroit. Got a coach yesterday, uh, Tampa Bay assistant so i think almost all the jobs are filled now except for san jose which fired its coach yeah today. poor bob bugner uh gets 
kicked out the door a week before the draft when they don't even have a general manager yet uh, in San Jose. Things are going great in uh, Sharks territory. Uh, yeah, I, know, I know Golden Knights right? fans out there are okay with that. So Really, really shedding some tears over the fact that uh, the Sharks don't even know if they still have to pay Evander Kane yet, which is one of the weirdest situations of the yeah, offseason. That's... There's a whole hearing that's going to go on there to determine whether his contract is actually void or not, which the fact that it was initially voided is the whole reason he got to Edmonton, had that great playoff run, but now he might have to go back to San Jose. It's a whole mess and a half uh, over there. Uh, but one guy who did not uh, end up on the coaching carousel that we talked about the last time we actually got together was Barry Trotz because he had mentioned a lot as a Golden Knights uh, coaching candidate. Was, of course, a guy who won the Stanley Cup at T-Mobile Arena in 2018 with the Washington Capitals. Had four largely successful years with the Islanders before getting fired uh, this offseason. So I think he was a very popular name among you know Knights fans in terms of who could take over this franchise and uh, ultimately where he decides he wants to end up spending his next year is on his couch. Uh, he specifically says he's staying out of the coaching mix at least this offseason. He tells NHL.com in an interview, I've got some things personally that I've got to take care of family-wise. Uh, I didn't feel uh, I think I would have done any team a little bit of a disservice and myself a disservice because to be a coach in the NHL, it is demanding and it requires your all. Um, and so basically, Barry Trotz, at least for now, sitting on the sidelines, maybe he'll come back midseason as like a coaching replacement. Uh, but as for now, he is stepping back. I think the main team that was kind of considered in the mix for his services were the Winnipeg Jets because Trotz is a Manitoba native. But like I said, it seems like they're going in the Rick bonus uh, direction. So now with hindsight, Matt, we didn't know when Bruce Cassidy was hired that Barry Trotz was potentially just kind of taking himself off the board. But now does that change your opinion uh, of the Knights process and who they kind of ultimately ended up with in Bruce Cassidy? No, really, if anything, it makes me kind of a little bit more, I guess, satisfied is the word that I guess you would kind of use in that situation, because I, at least and again, I'm just speculating here. I have no idea what Kelly McCrimmon was thinking, but I, I seem to kind of get the idea that he might have gotten some sort of inkling that Trotz didn't really want to coach this season. And so he just said, OK, well, we're as soon as Cassidy was fired, they're like, all right, that's who we're going for. And we'll see how it works out. But I, I really do like that hire of Bruce Cassidy. I have no idea why he was fired in Boston, but that's beside the point. I think a lot of Boston fans are curious about yeah. that. Uh, as well, Jim Montgomery, um, you know, good for him getting another chance uh, in the NHL. He obviously, for uh, people that are unaware, was the Dallas Stars coach, uh, stepped down early in the 2019-2020 season. That's why Rick Bonus got that job and coached the Stars past the Golden Knights that year. But um, I believe uh, Montgomery has been pretty open about he was dealing with alcoholism and the kind of put his life back together, was an assistant with the Blues for a couple of years, now getting another shot to be a headman. So that's very cool um, for him. But yeah, it's interesting how things kind of work out where, you know, we'd heard and we didn't have coaching news for, I think, about a month uh, after, you know, the season ended. And a lot of people were saying, well, it's because Barry Trotz is kind of holding the cards right now. He knows that he's wanted and he's kind of feeling things out. Uh, now it seems like maybe Barry Trotz just, you know, in terms of feeling things out, was just not necessarily feeling out different jobs, but just legitimately feeling whether he was going to coach. Or not. I mean, this is a guy who uh, started with the expansion Nashville Predators. He was their first coach, was there forever, um, and then jumped right into the Washington job, jumped right from the Washington job into the Islanders job. So I think he's been a coach in the NHL, a head coach, like 25 straight years or something, um, which is can't. just absolutely crazy. Yeah, you can't blame him for wanting to take a break. Yeah, especially because he's got a year left on his deal. So um, he's going to 
basically be getting paid to sit at home, which is a nice nice gig if you can get it. Yeah, um, I don't think I have quite that kind of a bonus package uh, here at the RJ if I were just to uh, chill out. But, you know, some people want the break. Some people don't. Obviously, uh, Pete DeBoer was a guy that did not want the break. He's back in the action uh, in Dallas. Uh, and uh, as we learned today, Steve Spots going with him. Shout out to uh, Spotter there for sticking around the NHL as well. Um, then moving on from the kind of coaching carousel news, now that that's, like I said, about to get settled, and the Knights have had their guy for now actually quite a bit, another move was made in the Pacific Division that I think is uh, interesting to talk about. doesn't directly affect the Knights, but does kind of indirectly uh, affect them. The Kings uh, on Wednesday, I believe, uh, made a major move. They got winger Kevin Fiala from Minnesota Wild in exchange for defense prospect Brock Faber, a Minnesota Golden Gopher, uh, I might add, which you know we have a special affinity for on this podcast. Uh, the Wild also got a first-round pick. I believe it's 19th overall in uh, next week's draft Thursday and Friday. Uh, Fiala had a career-high 33 goals and 85 points last season. Uh, and what is my favorite note is that was 85 points uh, are a Minnesota Wild record for the large majority of the franchise, except for this past year, because Kirill Kaprizov said it instead. Man, he's he's been nuts since coming over here too. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Fiala has the quietest, you know, second leading point total in Minnesota Wild franchise history, just because uh, his teammate set the record and set it by a lot uh, this past year. Um, but I think it's interesting because, yeah, with the Kings kind of powered out of this lengthy rebuild last year. They make the playoffs. They go to seven games against the Oilers and honestly could have easily won that series if not for Connor McDavid just doing the whole Thanos, like, a final do it myself. Yeah, I guess Connor McDavid got tired of losing in the first round. Apparently, and the second round, um, I guess, too. So, yeah, Connor McDavid just literally, and, you know, Leon Dreisaitl on one leg as well. Uh, just decide to put the team on their back. They just roast the the Kings in games uh, six and seven. So what was a very promising start for LA in the playoffs ends in a first round disappointment. But still, I think a lot of people are impressed they even got that far. And now they kind of get a guy that seems to um, kind of be perfect for what they've been uh, looking for. Um, you know, the Kings in terms of some of the advanced like five on five numbers, you know, were third in scoring chances last year, fourth in high danger scoring chances, uh, but 25th in goals. So that seems that there it's not a chance generation issue. It is a finishing issue. And of course, a guy that scored 33 goals last year seems to probably be able to help that uh, a lot. So what do you think of uh, Kevin Fiala to the Los Angeles Kings? Well, I can tell you this, the Kings of now are certainly not the Kings from two, three years ago that were just getting stomped by everybody. Um, but to more answer your question, I I kind of got to reserve judgment until we get closer to the season because hockey's a weird sport. They could make a ton of moves in the offseason. I was listening to, I believe it was Elliot Friedman's 30, 32 Thoughts before, we came, before I came here, and I uh, mentioned something about Philip Forsberg being on the table for them too. So that that would be another one that's scary. But at the end of the day... I mean, all the, they can make all these moves and could be terrible next year. So it's it's hard to necessarily answer that question totally, but I'm still going to try to anyway. Um, and yeah, I do think they're going to be a little bit scary next year. They're clearly the best team on paper in California. Um, they've got a very good core. They still have most of that Stanley, Stanley Cup winning core together. So they've got experience on the team. We'll see. Anything can happen. But yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think it's one of those things where uh, development uh, isn't always linear, even though people kind of think it 
would you know like to be like that the Kings were now first round exit team, so they'll take a, a step forward next season and everything. Um, so we'll 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 see what happens. I certainly think they are promising. Um, like I said, I think it fills one of their biggest needs that they kind of needed. You know that scoring uh, winger, but you know as you mentioned, I Jonathan Quick's on the last year of his deal. I think he was good in the playoffs, but he was not. You know, I didn't think him or Cal Peterson were great next year. They got a young blue line. They got some young forwards. They're bumping in because they have a great farm system, but nothing is definitely guaranteed for them. And I do think it's a very uncertain year in the Pacific Division as well, where you've got the Kings trying to be on the rise. The Flames obviously are coming off a fantastic year, but Johnny Gaudreau is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is a restricted free agent. The Oilers have all sorts of cap issues, and the roller coaster that is Mike Smith uh, might be finally stopping uh, for good. It sounds like that he might uh, spend the year on long-term injured reserve. So there's a lot that has to be sorted out. And obviously, you know, the team that we normally talk about in this podcast, the Knights, uh, come with plenty of question marks of their own. So the Pacific is uh, in a weird spot, kind of entering the draft and free agency. Yeah, and you mentioned the goaltending, too. I really think that's what's going to sink or swim the Kings season because... Like you said, Jonathan Quick was good this year. He wasn't a world beater like he's been in the past, but he's going to be 36 this year. And Cal Peterson really hasn't shown enough that he is ready to take over that starting role. So we'll see what happens there. But then going kind of back to the roster situations with everybody, when you look at the Golden Knights specifically, they're going to have to get worse to get better while every other team is going to actually be able to get better because they're not in a horrible cap situation. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the Knights are still probably going to have to subtract another roster player uh, at some point, especially because, um, as we touched on, I believe last week's show, there is kind of a report out there that they've got some sort of verbal deal with Riley Smith that he'll be able to return, but Riley Smith coming back means someone else probably has to go. So what does that mean? How do you make that all work? Um, it's going to be challenging for the Knights just to kind of maintain what they have, um, and that's going to be, I think, the goal of their offseason more than like really searching for improvements because you've still got – King Colasar and Nick Waugh as restricted free agents, as well as Nick Haig and Brett Howden. Um, you know, even if Riley Smith comes back, Matias Yanmark, unrestricted free agent, um, it's likely headed elsewhere. So it is, yeah, going to be interesting where the Knights' goal is definitely going to be maintaining. The Kings, I think, are definitely going to search to improve. The Oilers are going to search to improve, I think, around the margins or maintain what they were by the end of last year because they were really inconsistent for the first part of the year. Then kind of caught fire when Jay Woodcroft got promoted to full-time coach. Uh, the Flames, I think, are at least in the similar situation to the Knights, where because they've got, you know, those two first-line players. I mean, two-thirds of probably the best line in hockey last year are in some way, shape, or form, um, you know, not locked down. I think that's going to be tricky for them. I know they've got some other pieces like Andre Mangiapane, who's a really good forward for them. Um, I think it's Oliver Shillington, who's a top-four guy in their back end can't remember if he's a UFA or an RFA, but he's uh, at some point not nailed down. So they're going to have um, some stuff going on. But no, I do agree with you where the Knights, you know, it's not like they're necessarily pushing forward. They're just trying to get back to kind of where they thought they were at the beginning of last year or even, you know, going back to the 2021 season, what they thought that they could be. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how it all shakes out. Um, as I mentioned, so the draft is on a Thursday and Friday. Um, don't know if we're going to do much of a draft preview because the Knights have number 48. They do not have their first round pick, 16th overall. That got sent to the Buffalo Sabres in the Jack Eichel trade. So if you're watching the draft on Thursday and see 
uh, what pops up at number 16. Just you know, make a little mental note. Uh, think about what might have been in two to three years down the road uh, when that person eventually has a chance to break into the NHL. So the Knights will be you know, somewhat busy on day two. They've got that second round pick. They've got a third round pick. Uh, no fourths, but they do have two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. Um, so they'll be adding a bunch more players to the organization. We'll see if they end up making any sort of deals because often you know, those kind of things can happen during the draft. So if they have to make a salary crap clearing move, uh, maybe that's where it comes. And then um, looking ahead even further, uh, that 13th of July is the opening of free agency. And that's when a flood of moves will likely ultimately come to pass where we'll really still see things start flying around in the NHL. Um, until then, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. As a reminder, we are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Uh, we are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out all our written work at reviewajournal.com. Uh, we are also presented by Blue Wire. And if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, every you do podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Mengoes. That was Matt Atencio. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today.